Uh, Friends, our scripture today comes to us from Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. Hear now the words of the Apostle Paul to the people in Rome. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'm grateful to Andrew for our scripture reading today, and I want to echo the thanks to the choir and to Don for the beautiful music. Uh, many of you are aware that we had uh, a group of us went to Guatemala on a mission trip a few weeks ago. Uh, and we had a, a great time while we were there. We worked hard. We served uh, with an organization focused on the well-being of the indigenous Mayan community. And uh, part of our experience there was we got to go to a co-op, this uh, store run by some indigenous Mayan women. And in this co-op, they hand-wove these beautiful fabrics with a loom. And on the front of your bulletin, I tried to uh, include a picture of kind of what this looked like. But it's this beautiful and tedious process that requires an expert of the craft. And I know very little about this process other than what I saw there and what I learned from YouTube. Uh, But I learned some important terms. Uh, One of these terms is yarn. That's an easy one. These are colorful, beautiful strands that uh, make up the vibrant design that people see and admire. And uh, one or two of these strands are tied to something called a shuttle. Uh, So I brought a prop today from Shelly. Thank you, Shelly, for providing this. But what happens is they tie a couple pieces of yarn to the shuttle. And there are some strands strung out on the loom like this. And they pass the shuttle back and forth. And they pull the loom and press it together and then pass it back through again. And ultimately, that's what makes the design. But there's one term that I want you to remember about this loom that's very important for our sermon today, and that is the warp. The warp, I learned, refers to a set of strong vertical strands of yarn that are strung out on the loom, and that's what the shuttle can pass through. That's what makes the pattern. And in the finished product, you can't really notice these strings, but they're the ones that hold everything together, the whole Pattern is impossible without a strong warp. These different strands pulled in tension. Well, it's interesting, as I was preparing 
for today's sermon, I was reading a commentary, and Dr. Rochelle Stackhouse, who's a pastor in the Northeast, she said this about this passage. She said, in the craft of weaving, the first step is to construct a warp. The base lines of yarn upon which the weaver will weave a pattern, the attitudes and behaviors specified here in Romans 12, 9 through 21, could act as the warp to the pattern of differing gifts Paul describes in this letter. It acts as a covenant that lays the basis for the intricate pattern and the tapestry of the life of the faith community. Paul is saying here that if the church were to be a loom, and if we are weaving our lives in, then genuine love, that needs to be the warp. That's how a beautiful tapestry gets made. It passes through a strong structure held in tension through slow, methodical work. Each line crossing between that genuine love that we're called to. And Paul gives us a hint. He tells us right away what the strings of this warp look like. One of the strings is to hate evil and hold fast to good. And then compete with everyone else of who can honor the other the most. Serve, rejoice in a hopeful future. Pray and be patient when you suffer. Give to each other and be hospitable to strangers. This is a tough strand. When someone hurts you, bless them instead of curse them. Try your best to live in harmony and peace with everyone. Spend time with those society casts out. Walk with humility. If you're hurt by evil, don't fight fire with fire and instead respond to hate with love. Never seek out revenge. Trust that God will take care of judgment when the time comes. And finally, don't let evil overcome you, but overcome evil with good. Each of these strands is an example of genuine love held in tension in the loom of the church, and each passing day is a weaving of that yarn that builds the tapestry of our lives. And if we live like this, then in the end, won't people see the genuine love of Jesus in the tapestry that's been woven? It's not an easy thing to do, weaving slowly, thoughtfully, and methodically, but The finished product is the genuine article, and it shows. People notice. I'm grateful some folks that uh, went on the mission trip with me loaned me some pieces to show off to you all. Uh, This is one of the pieces woven in that co-op. I forgot to put this in the bulletin, but you're supposed to say, ooh. Um, And here's another one. Wow, maybe it was in the bulletin. I didn't, yeah. But they're absolutely gorgeous, intricate pieces here that have been laid out. And here's the final one. Very intricate. Ah, yes. (laughs) Well, the place where we were, we were near a city called Panaha Shell, which is one of the top tourist destinations in the country of Guatemala. And there's one street that's like the tourist trap street. It's full of vendors. Everyone's trying to sh- sell you wares and get you to come into your, their store and their salesmen. And every time someone's trying to sell you a fabric, everyone claimed that what they had was hand-woven. <laughs> they tried to convince you this was the genuine article. The hard work had been done. The loom had been laid out. The warp set up. The shuttle passed through for hours to make this shirt or this blanket or this table runner with an expert hand. But just like anyone who's trying to sell you something anywhere in the world, sometimes people were telling the truth, 
and sometimes they were not. Well, in this co-op that we visited, we knew for sure they were telling the truth because we watched them do it. And they showed us how you can tell apart a machine-sewn blanket from a genuine hand-woven one. So the hand-woven pieces, they told us, were the same inside and out. On the front, they were beautiful, and on the inside, they were just as vibrant and gorgeous as the outside. But the ones sewn by a machine, done the easy way, they were bright and vibrant and intricate on the front, but then when you opened them up, it was a pale imitation of what was on the exterior. Hmm. It's a hard fact of life all around the world that things are often said to be genuine when they are not. I'm sure that all of us have learned to take every commercial we watch with a grain of salt or eye every billboard with skepticism because we've all been there, right? We've bought something that claimed to be genuine, amazing, life-changing, and then found out that it was a fake or a piece of junk. And when people are sold something that's said to be genuine, but what they receive is a fake, they get burned. And if we're being honest... This has happened with the church sometimes too. So many people have attended church being advertised that they will receive a love that is different, that is genuine, that is Christ-centered and grace-filled and life-transforming. But some of those people have been burned. The colors were bright and vibrant and intricate from the outside, but then it opened up and it was just a pale imitation of what could be. People are desperate for that genuine, life-transforming, world-changing love, and the church claims to have it, but sometimes people get burned instead. Lifeway did a research study, and they asked young adults who had stopped attending church, why did they stop attending? And one in three of these participants answered and said it was because church members seemed judgmental or hypocritical. Barna did a similar study, asking people under the age of 30 who had stopped going to church, what made you stop going? And they cited irrelevance, hypocrisy, and moral failures of the church's leaders as reasons why they checked out of church altogether. And before we blame them or go chalking up individuals or generations, I want you to think about some of the latest headlines you may have read about the Big C Church. And I'm guessing that they weren't headlines that painted the church in a good light. Maybe it had something to do with embezzlement. Maybe it was an ugly legal battle. Or worse, maybe it had something to do with horrific stories of abuse done by people claimed to shepherd. The colors were bright on the outside, but were a pale imitation when you opened it up. Well, when Paul wrote this letter to the Romans, he was concerned with the witness of the church. If people are looking to us as the folks who love and follow Jesus, what do they see when they look inside? And so for 11 chapters, Paul has reminded us of how expansive and all-pervading God's love is. God provides the power of salvation to everyone, first to the Jew, then to the Greek. And then Paul talks about how even when sin has been increasing, grace has been increasing all the more. And then Romans 8, the beautiful declaration that anyone who's truly in Christ Jesus has no condemnation. 
For the whole first 11 chapters, Paul is just emphasizing everything that God has done for us, that perfect love. And then begins the great therefore. If God loves us in this way, then therefore this is how we should live. And he starts by saying, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Offer your lives as a living sacrifice to the living God. And then we arrive at our scripture reading today. He says, if we're truly giving our lives to God and living in Christ, if we are truly trusting in the grace of Jesus and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, then when people look in the church, they should see genuine love. And what does that genuine love look like? It looks like trusting God's grace more than ourselves. It looks like trusting in God's future instead of the one we've made up. And it looks like loving strangers and enemies instead of responding with hate or mistrust. The prophet Micah may have put it this way. It looks like doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with our God. Sometimes we may convince ourselves that we can cut corners and people won't notice. After all, if we have the outward appearance of love, then isn't that enough? Once people's foot is in the door, isn't our job done? No. Because in the end, people know if our love was genuine. This past Friday, two days ago, we had a service celebrating the life of a beloved member here, Claude Vickers. And it was wholly evident by the stories that people shared and by the love in that service that Claude's love was a love that was genuine. And he served Christ and he served this church with his life. Throughout his membership at Noonan First, he served on the finance committee, the administrative board, the youth council, the church trustees, the transportation committee, and the treasurer for the Polly Crowley Sunday school class. When close friends of his were in their darkest moments, he chose to willingly go and sit with them. He loved so deeply that many people unrelated to him referred to him as a member of their family. And some of his daughter's friends called him their bonus parent. Even the folks that worked with Claude in the Georgia state government talked about how evident and important his faith was to him. Claude's life was a tapestry that was hand-woven, not machine-made, with bright colors of humor and humility and faithful service and harmony woven throughout. And when we examined this tapestry during that service, it was the same inside and out. He had done the hard work. How many lives had been changed through seeing a love that genuine? How many folks have been strengthened in their hope and in their faith just from being around Claude and his humor and his wisdom and faith and integrity? Well, as we come together to the table today, we remember and celebrate the lives of saints like Claude. And the tapestries that they left behind show us the beauty of a life woven through the genuine love of Christ day after day. May we receive God's grace as we seek to do the same. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.